Chapter Five of Marion: The Story of an Artist's Model by Winifred Eaton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista. Chapter Five. Ellen, don't you wish something would happen? Ellen and I were walking up and down the street near the English church. Life is so very dull and monotonous. I went on. My, I would be glad if something real bad happened, some sort of tragedy. Even that is better than this deadness. Ellen looked at me and seemed to hesitate. Yes, it's awful to be so poor as we are, she answered. But what I would like is not so much money as fame, and of course love. That usually goes with fame. Ellen's fiancé was going to be famous some day. He was in New York and had written a wonderful play. As soon as it was accepted, he and Ellen were to be married. Well, I'll tell you what I'd like above everything else on earth, said I sweepingly. I would love to be a great actress and break everybody's heart. It must be perfectly thrilling to be notorious, and we certainly are miserable girls. We were chewing away with great relish the contents of a bag of candy. Anyhow, said Ellen, you seem to be enjoying that candy. And we both giggled. Two men were coming out of the side door of the church. Attracted by our laughter, they came over directly to us. One of them we knew well. He was Jimmy McAlpin, the son of a fine old Scotch, very rich lady, who had always taken an especial interest in our family. Jimmy, though he took up the collection in church, had been, so I heard the neighbors whisper to Mama, once very dissipated. He had known us since we were little girls, and always teased us a lot. He would come up behind me on the street and pull my long plate of hair, saying, Oh, pull the string, gentlemen and ladies, and the figure moves. Now he came smilingly up to us, followed by his friend, a big stout man, with a military carriage and gray mustache. I recognized him, too, though we did not know him. He was a very rich and important citizen of our Montreal. Of him also I had heard bad things. People said he was fast. That was a word they always whispered in Montreal, and shook their heads over. But whenever I heard it, it was very mystery, and badness somehow thrilled me. Ada said there was a depraved and low streak in me, and I guiltily admitted to myself that she was right. "'What are you girls laughing about?' asked Jimmy, a question that merely brought forth a fresh accession of giggles. Colonel Stevens was staring at me, and he had thrust into his right eye a shining monocle. I thought him very grand and distinguished-looking, much superior to Saint Vidal. Anyway, we were tired of the French, having them on all sides of us, and, as I have said, I admired the blonde type of men.' Colonel Stevens was not exactly blonde, for his hair was gray. He was bald on top, though his hat covered that, but he was typically British, and somehow the Englishman always appeared to me much superior to our little French Canucks, as we called them. Said the Colonel, pulling at his mustache, A laughing young girl in a pink cotton frock is the sweetest thing on earth. I had on a pink cotton frock, and I was laughing. I thought of what I had heard Madame Prefontaine say to Mama in a whisper. 
he is one dangerous man that colonel stephen and any woman seen with him will lose her reputation will i lose mine i asked myself i must say my heart beat fascinated with the idea something now was really happening and i was excited and delighted can't we take the ladies i nudged ellen some place for a little refreshment said the colonel no said ellen mamma expects us home too bad murmured the colonel very much disappointed but how about some other night tomorrow shall we say looking at me he added may i send you some roses just the color of your cheeks i nodded from behind ellen's back come on said ellen brusquely we'd better be getting home you know you've got the dishes to do marion she drew me along i couldn't resist looking back and there was that fascinating colonel standing stock still in the street still pulling at his mustache and staring after me he smiled all over when i turned and blew me an odd little kiss like a kind of salute only from his lips that night when ellen and i were getting ready for bed i said isn't the colonel thrillingly handsome though Ugh, i should say not said ellen besides he's a married man and a flirt well i guess he doesn't love his old wife said i if she is old said ellen so is he maybe older disgusting all next day i waited for that box of roses and late in the afternoon sure enough it came and with it a note dear miss marion will you and your charming sister take a little drive with me and a friend this evening if so meet us at eight o'clock corner of st james and st denis streets my friend has seen your sister in judge laflamme's office ellen worked there and he is very anxious to know her as for me i am thinking only of when i shall see my lovely rose again i am counting the hours devotedly fred stevens the letter was written on the stationery of the fashionable st james club now i was positive that colonel stevens had fallen in love with me i thought of his suffering because he could not marry me in many of the french novels i had read men ran away from their wives and i thought maybe the colonel will want me to elope with him and if i won't perhaps he will kill himself and i began to feel very sorry to think of such a fine-looking soldierly man as colonel stevens killing himself just because of me when i showed ellen the letter after she got home from work to my surprise and delight she said all right let's go a little ride will refresh us and i've had a hard week of it but better not let mamma know where we're going we'll slip out after supper when she's getting the babies to sleep reaching the corner of st james and st denis streets that evening we saw a beautiful closed carriage with a coat of arms on the door and a coachman in livery jumped down and opened the door for us we stepped in with the colonel was a middle-aged man with a dry yellowish face and a very black it looked dyed moustache mr messier said the colonel introducing us oh exclaimed ellen are you the premier non 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 laughed mr messier and turning about in the seat he began to look at ellen and to smile at her 
until the ends of his waxed moustache seemed to jump up and scratch his nose. Colonel Stevens had put his arm just at the back of me, and as it slipped down from the carriage seat to my waist, I sat forward on the edge of the seat. I didn't want to hurt his feelings by telling him to take his arm down, and still I didn't want him to put it around me. Suddenly Ellen said, "'Marion, let's get out of this carriage. That beast there put his arm around me, and he pinched me too.' She indicated Mercier. She was standing up in the carriage clutching at the strap, and she began to tap upon the window to attract the attention of the coachman. Mr. Messier was cursing softly in French. "'Petite folle,' he said. "'I'm not meaning to hurt you. Just a little loving, that is all.' "'You ugly old man,' said Ellen. "'Do you think I want you to love me? Let me get out.' "'Oh, now, Miss Ellen,' said the colonel, "'that is too rude.' Mr. Messier is a gentleman. See how sweet and loving your little sister is? No, no, I cried. I am not sweet and loving. He had no business to touch my sister. Mr. Messier turned to the colonel. For these children did you ask me to waste my time? And putting his head out of the carriage, he simply roared, Rue Saint-Denis! Sacré! They set us down at the corner of our street. When we got in, a friend of Papa's was singing to Mama and Ada in the parlor. In the gloaming, oh my darling, when the lights are dim and low. He was one of many Englishmen, younger sons of aristocrats, who, not much good in England, were often sent to Canada. They liked to hang around Papa, whose family most of them knew. This young man was a thin, harmless sort of fellow, soft-spoken, and rather silly, Ellen and I thought. But he could play and sing in a pretty sentimental way, and Mama and Ada would listen by the hour to him. He liked Ada, but Ada pretended she had only an indifferent interest in him. His father was the Earl of Albemarle, and Ellen and I used to make Ada furious by calling her Countess and bowing mockingly before her. Walking on tiptoe, Ellen and I slipped by the parlor door and up to our own room. That night, after we were in bed, I said to Ellen, You know, I think Colonel Stevens is in love with me. Maybe he will want me to elope with him. Would you, if you were me? Don't be silly. Go to sleep, was Ellen's cross response. She regretted very much taking that ride and she said she only did it because she got so tired at the office all day, and thought a little ride would be nice. She had no idea, she said, that those two old fools would act like that. I was not going to let Ellen go to sleep so easily, however. Listen to this, I said, poking her to keep her awake. This is Ella Wheeler Wilcox, Ellen, and they call her the Poet of Passion. Ellen groaned, but she had to listen. Just for one kiss that thy lips had given, just for one hour of bliss with thee, I would gladly barter my hopes of heaven, and forfeit the joys of eternity. For I know, in the way that sins are reckoned, that this is a sin of the deepest dye. But I also know, if an angel beckoned, looking down from his home on high, and you adown by the gates infernal, 
should lift to me your loving smile i would turn my back on the things eternal just to lie on your breast awhile oh said ellen i would scorn to lie on colonel stephen's old fat breast end of chapter five recording by james k white chula vista